Lord, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, your goodness, and your kindness toward us. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory in advance. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through 2023. For you are always faithful. We can always rely on you. We always have hope. You are always God with us. You've never left us. And as we look at the wake of our lives, we see your providence. We see your hand. We see your goodness. We see your provision. And we see, Father God, your mercy that follows us all the days of our lives. And we are so thankful and grateful for that. And all those who agreed with me said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we've come to the end of an absolutely wonderful year. Some very, very wonderful things have happened this year. Of course, we've experienced highs, we've experienced lows, victories, and losses. And um, through it all, however, He is God. Through it all, He looked beyond our fault. He saw our need, and He has been merciful. He has been good to us. Amen. Uh, before we start, we want to uh, just mention that we're praying for a few families. A few families that are out are under the weather, and then uh, last night, um, Jenny went into ER, and uh, we're praying for her. She had some surgery, surgery, uh, this, no, they just, it's a long story, very complicated, uh, but uh, she went home, she's back in ER, and we're believing that um, all things will uh, work out. You know, the thing that I said to Tina yesterday is what a display <laughs> Um, of bravery in Jenny, isn't it? I mean, what a display of absolute warfare on her end. She doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. She's always hopeful. For most part, she's, um, um, she's the most hopeful one in the room. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just wonderful to see all that God has done in her life, even through this last year of battle. We also um, prayed for Trish, who had... Um, to go into ER this past week. And uh, I see you here, Trish. God bless you. And we're praying for your recovery, your soon recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today um, we are starting a series, as you may imagine, <laughs> that we're going to go through the whole of the month of January. And um, I've been waiting for this moment for a while because it's a series on prayer. And uh, I've been waiting for this for a moment uh, where we as a congregation uh, make prayer front and center. Make prayer the actual focal point. Make prayer the priority and not just the teaching of it, but the practicing of it. Because imagine what could be. Imagine what would be if only we took prayer seriously. Prayer was designed by God. It is something that He's called us to do. Somebody said, well, if God is sovereign, why pray? Because He told you to, right? He called us to pray. So what better time to make a commitment to learn about prayer, to be trained in prayer and to practice prayer than in the beginning of a brand new year. And so we can situate ourselves and set our hearts upon what needs to be set upon. Make a course correction if need be. However, prayer is the way to do this. Many people want to white-knuckle their, white, their New Year's resolutions. But what I want to encourage you with is to jump in to prayer. 
If I had to ask, how many of you need to improve your prayer life? Anybody who is truly saved and truly loves God would raise their hand and say, I need to improve my prayer life. There's not a person here that doesn't feel the same way uh, that, we, that the most, of, most of us do. And that is that we need to take prayer more seriously. And this is our opportunity to do just that, to look into scriptures as to what is God saying about prayer. Do you know that the only time the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them anything was when they asked him to teach them how to pray. But the reason they asked him to teach them how to pray is because they just watched him pray and they saw the power of God flow through him after he spent so much time with the Father. The same thing is true for you and I. We have to win every battle on our knees first before going to war. You and I have to first go on our knees, humble ourselves before God, before we actually enter this world, enter this year, into this life. That is where we are prepared for the world, for life, and for the day. So I've been waiting for this moment. Some of, the, some of the elders in training and I have talked about it, Andre and I have talked about it in length. But one of the things that we really need in our congregation is a greater awareness of biblical prayer. The effects of biblical prayer. You see, somebody can pray for you, but nobody can do your praying for you. It's like, People can lead you, but only you are the one they can follow. God can speak, but only you are the one they can listen. And the same way is that even though I pray for you, that is great, but I cannot do your praying for you. It is important that we teach every believer to be trained in prayer. Think about it. When the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then he went ahead and he taught them. Therefore, prayer is something to be taught. Prayer is something that I have to teach my kids how to do it. I have to teach them how to tie their shoelaces. I have to teach them how to have good table manners. I have to teach them how to greet people at the door. I have to train them in all of these things. But I also have to teach them what it means to pray and how to practically, practically pray. You know, we hear a lot about prayer, the teaching on prayer, but we don't see a lot of action. And so this is what my call to you is this year. Let's take action. You know, I have a hard time hearing a doctrine without being able to put feet to those thoughts. Why? Because the Bible says, be ye doers and not hearers only of the word. Because if you are hearers and not doers, you deceive yourself. So don't ever listen to something and think, you know what? This person next to me really needed to hear that. Man, I wish my wife was at church today. She should have heard this. Man, I, I wish my husband was here. He should have. No, no, no. This is for me. This is for you individually. This is a call to action. After all, Jesus did declare in Matthew 21, 22, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So we have to move beyond just simply knowing about God, 
knowing different doctrines to the place where we are actively in prayerful communication with God on a daily basis. This ought to be our lifestyle. God awareness. This ought to be our lifestyle. Not only are we called to be in communion with God through prayer, this is one way our relationship continually develops, but God also intends to accomplish things in you through your prayers. This is one way God molds you, makes you, changes you, alters you, transforms you, is by calling you to pray. But not only does He alter and change the individual who's praying, He's actually changing things in this world through this person's prayers. So your prayers are active. The bottom line is, for us to see our congregation become a praying body, a praying congregation in 2024. Now, of course, people pray, but I'm believing that each one of us individually and us corporately will in fact experience a prayer revival in 2024, starting in the beginning of the year. I heard somebody, I think it was Luther, Martin Luther, had said, said something like this, of this effect, that I have, I have so much to do, I'll never get it done unless I first spend two hours in prayer in the morning. It is the fact, it's when you, what you do first matters. I always use this example because we've moved so many times. Um, the U-Haul guys know me by first name. <laughs> oh, you guys moving again? Yeah. Uh, but one thing I've realized is the way to pack a truck is what you put in first determines how much you can put in. Isn't that true? What you load first determines how much you can load. What you do first matters in life. And so it is with prayer. When we pray in the beginning of the year, in the beginning of the day, in the beginning of any project, it, it matters because it situates our hearts correctly. It gives us wisdom. God reveals things to us. And He works through our prayers. This is God's chosen means of doing things in the earth is through prayer. Let me say that again. God's chosen means of accomplishing things on earth is through prayer. Now God's going to do whatever He wants to do, but He's chosen to do it through your and my prayers. That's why He said, pray this way. Not say this prayer, but pray in this way. First, honor God as Father. Our Father. Your name be honored in my life. Your name be honored in my family. Your name be honored in our church. Your name be honored in our world. He didn't, he didn't tell us to pray that if that's not how He was going to accomplish his, his glory to fill the earth. He said, your kingdom come. Pray that on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that because your prayers is God's means by which He is establishing His kingdom. So don't forget that God's means of doing things in you and in this world is through prayer. So we want to believe for a prayer revival here in 2024, knowing very well that a revival of prayer will lead to a revival of everything else in life. So in this January series that we are looking at, we will, also, we will be asking foundational questions and answering them regarding prayer, including... I'm just going to list some of the things we're going to be talking about in this month. So I don't, don't want you to miss any of it. But 
We're going to ask the question, what is the nature of prayer? We're going to ask, what is the basis of prayer? What are the different kinds of prayer? I'll just give you a short list of the different kinds of prayer that we are going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the prayer of repentance, what that looks like, what that does in a person, and how to pray it. We're going to talk about the prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of praise, the prayer of worship, the difference between thanksgiving, praise, and worship, and what praying thanksgiving looks like, what praying praise looks like, what praying what worship looks like in prayer. We're going to talk about the prayer of consecration, the prayer of supplication, the prayer of faith, the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. And we're going to talk about what it means to call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to practice these things because I want to show you how to actually practice these prayers in regards to your marriage. How, how am I supposed to pray for my wife as a husband? So wives, don't let your husbands miss this series. We talk about how wives pray for their husbands, what that looks like. So husbands, don't let your wives miss this. And talk about how to pray for your children if you're a parent. Children, how to pray for your parents. We're going to talk about how to pray for the lost. The evangelist's prayer. How to pray for our country. And we're going to talk about how to pray for those who use you, despitefully use you and persecute you. How to pray for your enemies. So there's a lot here. And, and what I wanted to break out of is when we get together and we say, all right, let's pray. And somebody goes, Lord, this is how my daughter used to pray. We'd all sit around the table and she'd go, Lord, thank you for mommy. Thank you for Robert. Thank you for daddy. Thank you for Omar. Thank you for Sadie, our dog. Amen. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and then the next one would go, <laughs> I won't say who it is, but then he'll go, God bless mom. God bless dad. Bless Omar. Bless Sadie. Amen. <laughs> so we want to learn what it means to pray. We want to practice how to pray. And we're going to actually pray because that is God's chosen means of doing great things through you and in you. Amen. So what does prayer not do? What does prayer not do? Important question to ask. Well, prayer does not inform God. He does not, prayer does not inform God of your situation or of your needs. As a matter of fact, he cannot learn anything. Why? Because he's omniscient. He already knows it all. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he knows your needs long before you ask him. But it's his chosen way for you to have your needs filled is by asking him. God has a divine genius plan. And this was his plan for you to ask him of the things he already knows you need. He's calling you into faith. He's calling you into relationship. So what does prayer not do? It does not inform God of my situation or of my needs. He already knows everything. What does prayer not do? Prayer does not instruct God. We are not here telling God, by the way, don't forget, I need a raise. Some people, especially people who, who have gotten into the little God syndrome or little God theology, if you know what I'm talking about, those people, they love to dispatch angels and stop hurricanes 
It's like they're running the world right from their basement. And God's just, okay, I'll get you more of this. I'll get you more of this. And I'll heal you from that. I'll make you happy about this. Oh, and I'll fix your wife. And I'll just... And they think that what they are there to do in prayer is to tell God everything that needs to happen around the world. So prayer does not instruct God because God is not the student. He doesn't learn from anybody. He isn't my butler. He doesn't take orders from me and he doesn't run my errands. I'm accountable to him. And he's called me to pray. He said to the disciples, could you not even wait with me for one hour? Could you not watch for one hour? What else does prayer not do? Prayer does not influence God. I always used to think that prayer is me twisting God's arm. All right, I'll do it. If I pray long enough, I'm going to get God to feel sorry for the one I'm praying for. To the point where He's going to go and do something for them. But my prayer does not influence God to become more compassionate towards you because if, if my prayers weren't, were that powerful to influence God to become more compassionate towards you, uh, my prayers are in fact therefore influencing God. I'll just turn this off. If my prayers were powerful enough to influence God to do greater good in this world, it would mean that God became a better version of Himself because of my prayers. Are you following what I'm saying? God doesn't become more loving because I've prayed enough. He doesn't become more, he doesn't become more compassionate towards you and more merciful towards you because of my prayers. I, I, I am not making God a better version of who He is because I've prayed a lot. Follow what I'm saying? God's already good and I haven't even prayed a word. Before you start your praying, He's already God, He's already good, He's already merciful, He's already uh, um, all-powerful, He's already kind. But in His mind, He designed prayer to be the means by which He was going to accomplish something. The next thing is, we see that my prayer does not empower God. He doesn't become powerful because I prayed a powerful prayer. No, He is already all-powerful. My prayer does not change God's goals. Your prayer does not change God's agenda. It doesn't change His purposes. It doesn't change His plans for this world because His purposes and His plans were established before the foundations of the earth. And part of his purposes and plans was to do what he wanted to do by using your prayers. And if you don't pray, he's still going to do it. You'll get no credit for it. You'll have no reward for it in heaven. Finally, we see that God's pr my prayer does not give God permission to change me. My prayers doesn't give God permission to change me. And I wanted to say that because we, we realize he acts upon a person like he did on Saul on the road to Damascus. He acted upon Saul because he willed to do it. He wanted to do it. He chose to do it. It was part of his purpose, part of his plan. So I wanted to say that because I wanted to make sure we don't become like that Pharisee that prays. 
and he stands on the corner of the streets and he prays out loud because in his mind, he's the hero. <laughs> in his mind, he's the one that's rescuing all things. In his mind, he's the one who brought him to the place that he's at. However, now that we've looked at a few things prayer does not do, I would like for us to look at the nature of prayer. The nature of prayer. You see, prayer is dot, dot, dot. Prayer is, now we have to fill in the blanks. Well, prayer is, first and foremost, the act of coming to God. Prayer is the exercise of humbling yourself as a dependent before the Almighty. When you come before God in prayer, you're coming before Him as the one depending upon Him to answer your prayer. Prayer is the act of relying on God. As a matter of fact, when I do not pray, I am not relying on God for wisdom in the situation that I find myself in. When I'm not praying, I am not relying on God for strength to get through something. When I'm not praying, it is a sign that I am not believing God to move on my behalf in this situation. This is a sign that my reliance is not upon God. Therefore, it is upon either myself, the government, or somebody else. But prayer is a sign that I am relying upon God. Prayer is, in fact, the exercise of faith. I exercise faith when I pray. Prayer proves that the person praying believes that there is a God. He wouldn't be praying if he believed that there was no God. Prayer proves that the person praying believes God is not indifferent to his prayers. He's praying because he believes there is a God and because he believes that that God hears him. Prayer proves that the person praying believes God is able to answer the prayers that he's asking. In Hebrews chapter 11, 6, it actually says this. <clears throat> but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God, watch this, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. He who comes to God must believe that He is. And here it says, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So the person who comes, the person who prays, exercises faith. Faith that there is a God. Faith that He's not an indifferent God. And faith that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He can answer my prayers. Now one of the, um, one of the most basic understandings of prayer, the one that I like, as we are talking about the nature of prayer, one of the understandings that I enjoy considering and teaching and applying to my own prayer life is that it doesn't add things to my life. We have this mindset that I need something, therefore I need to pray. But prayer doesn't necessarily add something to your life. It rather takes things away from you. How many of you have been in a situation where your life is just so complicated, you have so many hang-ups, 
You just wish that you can unravel, find somebody to unravel the spaghetti bowl in life. You go see counselors and you go, how many of you have ever had your life in a position like that where you go like, man, there's just so much crazy going on in my life, in myself and around me. Well, it's too, it's too warm in here, Tina. The answer to that problem is prayer. The answer to that problem is prayer. I know it's too hot when people start dozing off. I'm like, oh, it's too hot. <laughs> when you pray, God is adding to you through subtract subtraction. He's taken away the crazy from your life. He's taken away the crazy from within you, in your mind and in your heart. Because prayer removes, let me, let me give you a few. Prayer, when you pray, God is removing things from you. He's removing self so God can be God in your life. Prayer removes trust in self when a person goes on their knees and turns to God. This is how they, rem this is how they are unloading self-reliance as they turn to God. Prayer removes temptation. Jesus said to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from this evil. Prayer removes deception. I'm sure you've experienced this, where you feel as you've prayed, things become clearer to you because it removes it removes the cataracts. It removes the scales. It removes the confusion. It removes the cobwebs. It removes deception. Prayer, on the other hand, doesn't add things. It takes things. For instance, it takes away the weakness that you may have. How many of you, after spending a significant amount of time in prayer, you get up from your knees and you just feel strong again? I can go at this again. Prayer removes the weakness that cripples you. Prayer removes timidity. You become confident when you pray. Timidity is expelled. So think of it this way. When you go on your knees to pray, God isn't necessarily adding things to your life. He's plucking up the weeds from your life, from your mind and from your heart. He's removing the scales and He's removing the cobwebs and He's flipping on the light switch. So, so many things are removed as I pray, as I pray. That's why it's almost like a car. You feel like you have to sometimes take a car and just go on the open road and just go real fast just to kind of burn out all the dirt. This is, this is what happens when you pray. Sometimes you just have to say, God, I know I, I've never prayed for an hour. I've never prayed for two hours. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lock myself away. I'm, I'm going to go pray and pray and pray. I'm not going to stop praying until I've prayed a full hour. And just kind of Get all of that spiritual gunk out of your system. And that's what I'm believing for is going to happen in 2024 right here in January. We have to become a praying people if we are not yet. According to scriptures, true prayer is an offering to God. Not only does it remove a lot of crazy from your life, but it's a true offering to God. Rising up and seeking an audience with God. Because prayer is, prayer is the reality 
the practice of what incense signified in the Old Testament. The incense that rose was a picture of our prayer that rises to heaven seeking an audience with God. So just like incense was offered before the Lord in the temple, so prayer is now offered. We are the temple and we pray and our prayers are like incense going up seeking God's face. Prayer is casting anxieties on God. Again, it's taking something away from you. 1 Peter 5, 7, it takes it away. Anxieties are cost. Psalm 5, 15 says that prayer is, in fact, crying to God in times of trouble. It is crying to God in times of trouble. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, prayer is making needs known to God in every circumstance. God already knows what your needs are, but He's designed for you to bring those needs to Him. The nature of prayer is so interesting because it's a multifaceted practice God has called us to. We see in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That we ask anything according to our desires. Is that what it says? Watch the scripture. If we ask anything according to our desires, He hears us. Is that what it says? What does it say? If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked Him of. So the original understanding of the word confidence there when it says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. This is the confidence that you have in Him. That word there in the original actually uh, refers to what we know as free speech. This is where we get the idea of free speech from. In other words, we are free to speak to God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Christ, that we can freely speak to God confidently. However, he continues to explain that this free speech that we have, that we can come to him with, is always on his terms. It's according to his will, not our desires. So we have to pray his will all the time. But we can't pray his will if we don't know his will. So next time you get into the Word, which we are starting our new Bible reading challenge, when you get into the new Bible reading challenge, when you see the Word of God, start praying it according to His will, and you'll see God act accordingly. So we talked about what prayer is not and what it does not do. We talked about the nature of prayer. I would like for us to turn now and think about what the basis of prayer is. What is the basis of prayer? And I think some some misunderstandings will be clarified throughout this series, and this is today the introduction of it. But I want to be as simple and as plain and as doable, understandable, and practical as possible through the rest of this month, where we can actually walk out of here knowing how to pray for our spouse. And we can walk out here knowing how to pray for our employees, for our employer, for the government, for our country, for the world, for the church. 
So what is the basis of prayer? It's very important to understand that prayer is coming to the Father by faith in what? By faith in what? Faith in Christ's merit. When I come to God, I come to God in faith or by faith in what? In Christ's merit. It works like this. As a, let's say, for instance, a citizen of the USA, I cannot hold office in the, in the UK. I cannot run for, pres- for, for uh, any kind of office. Prime Minister in the, in the United Kingdom. Because I am not a citizen there. I'm a citizen here. As a matter of fact, I can go to the United Kingdom. But I cannot assume the same privileges as other citizens in the United Kingdom enjoy. The privileges of that nation are for the citizens of that nation. And I would first have to become a citizen of that nation in order to enjoy the same privileges and to run for certain offices if I wanted. Now in the same way, no sinner can stand on his own merits before God in heaven. You can't just as a sinner, walk into the kingdom of God and have access to the king. You can't just walk into the kingdom of God and assume the same benefits that that kingdom offers. You first have to become a citizen of that kingdom. And how do you become a citizen of God's kingdom? Faith in Christ. This is why we have confidence to enter the holy places By the very blood of Jesus. It is Jesus, it is the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ, that gives you citizenship. And on His merit, on His gift of citizenship to you, on that citizenship you have access to the Father. In Hebrews 10, 19 it says, Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter the holiest, by what? The blood of Jesus having boldness to have free speech before God the Father by the blood of Jesus. You see, it's the spilled blood of Christ. It is the sacrifice of Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ, the complete work of Christ, which is the basis for every single prayer you have ever prayed. Can I remind you that in the Old Testament, you never had, nobody had the freedom to enter the Holy of Holies, without also dying. You could not approach God. They were not even allowed to touch Mount Sinai when God appeared on the top of the mountain. In other words, stay away from God. You have no access. He's unapproachable. But now we have Christ. And on His merit... We have become sons and daughters, citizens of heaven. And on His merit, we now have confidence to have free speech before God. We can speak to Him because of Christ's merit. Why would God even hear your prayer? Because of Christ's merit. (laughs) So I want to remove something that I believe is something that stops you from praying. 
Many people feel like they first have to become somewhat more, they first have to become a little bit more perfect before they can start praying. Ever happened to you? Like, I can't ask God for that now because He knows what I did yesterday. I'm going to have to wait a week and not do that thing for a week before I come to God and ask Him for something, right? Well, that is the person who actually comes to God on his own merit. He goes, now I qualify now, you know. I haven't lost my temper for over a week, so I can now come to God confidently on my own merit. (laughs) That's not how you come to God. The way you come to God is in your time of need, you come boldly to His throne room of grace. We come boldly to the throne room of grace in our time of need. Because we don't come to His throne room of grace on our merit, but on Christ's merit. Not on our terms, on His terms. Not qualifying ourselves, but allowing Him to qualify us. This is exactly why Jesus said in John 16, 23 and 24, and this too I think will be a, I think this will be a, a, a big game changer for many people, especially if you are from the Roman Catholic Church. But it says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Stop. Let's ask the question. Hermeneutics 101. Who's speaking? Jesus. Who's he speaking to? Those, are, those who are his believers, the disciples. So it's Jesus telling the disciples how to pray. He says, disciples, in that day, which day? When he ascends. In that day. You will ask me nothing. Let me ask you, has he ascended? He did ascend. We are already in that day. Yet people still ask Jesus for things. People still pray to Jesus. Now, he is divine. You ought to worship him. You can thank him, and you should. Honor Him. He is divine. He's equal to God. But here He says, In that day, you will ask Me nothing. How much will you ask Him? Nothing. No thing. Not a little something, but all of nothing. You'll ask Him nothing. Then He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father... In my name, based on his merit, you ask the Father. I come to you, Father God, in Jesus' name, on his merit. I come to you. This is what he was saying. This is how you pray. I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he, the Father, will give it to you. Until now, he says in verse 24. You have asked me not, you have asked nothing in my name. Never asked Jesus anything, or never asked the Father anything in Jesus' name. No, um, they asked Jesus face to face. But he says, in that day, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. He says, now ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So, our conclusion here is always pray to the Father. You now have access to the Father. 
in Jesus' name. That's why we end our prayers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to pray to the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to pray to the Father. You see, it's the work of the Spirit that regenerated you, right? God the Father chose you. Jesus paid for you. And then the Holy Spirit comes and He regenerates you. He puts a new heart into you. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that regenerated us. And now that you have a new heart, it's that heart that cries, Abba Father, Abba Father. You wouldn't have prayed a single prayer had your heart not cried, Abba Father. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the basis of prayer is God's character and God's purposes. See, many believe, and watch this, don't want, you, don't want this to slip by you. But many believe that God's great and eternal plan is man. Many believe that God's entire strategy from foundations of the earth is about saving you and saving me. Many believe that God has done all that He has done for the single reason and that is to save, have, and love man forever. However, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. I do not claim to know all of what God's purposes are. But I know His purposes certainly include His glory, that, his enti- that the entire earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. All things were created for His glory. That's His purpose is for His glory to be displayed. That's the purpose of God. Here's another one I know for certain, is that His kingdom will be established. That's a purpose of God, is His kingdom. Another purpose of God is His Son to have a bride. Man is part of his purpose, but man isn't his ultimate purpose. His ultimate purpose is his glory, is his kingdom, and his gift to his son. You and I are made part of it. Even though we are not the ultimate purpose, we are part of his purpose. And the basis of prayer is God's purposes. And I'm saying that because... When you listen to prayer, generally speaking, it's always just about man. It's always just about us. Bless him. Heal them. Provide for them. Help me. It's like a, it's always about us when in fact our prayer needs to become about God's purposes. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name be honored. This is the basis of prayer. This is the ultimate purpose of prayer. God, your glory be established. Your name be made great in this world. God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the the great privilege of prayer. 
is that we can be an instrument within God fulfilling His great purposes. I'm an instrument within it. I'm part of it. I am not it. And people's prayers, people's prayer um, betray their lack of understanding of what the ultimate purpose for prayer really is. It's not me. And it's not you. It's not us. It's God's glory. God's kingdom. His son's bride. Our prayers should echo these purposes of God. Lord, I pray that your name be honored. Hallowed be your name. Lord, I pray your glory be revealed and cover the earth. Lord, I pray your kingdom be established on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray for your son's bride, the church, to be sanctified, that she will be without spot and without wrinkle. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you get something out of the word?